guess the first turkey I ever killed was along the river road adjacent to the Osceola River in Madison County, Florida. And the way that story worked out, I didn't know anything about calling turkeys or how to hunt turkeys. I just knew I wanted to. I was alone. I'd seen some turkey tracks on the sandy road and saw where they had turned into the woods and didn't see them anymore. So I had me a box call. That's all I had, one lynch foolproof box call. That was the only, only box call I had, only call I had, period. And I had been scratching on it a little and felt like I could yelp. That was about the only thing I knew how to do. So I fired that thing off and just before I could complete the call sequence, I heard a gobbler in that wood straight ahead of me. I'm guessing off the road it was 50 yards. And I'd scratch that box and that gobbler would yell. And I'd get it. We went on at that for 15 minutes. I never moved. I didn't know you were supposed to try to make an advance on a turkey. But all I know is I could hear the turkey when he would face me and he was loud when he would do that. And he'd turn away from me and it wouldn't be quite as loud. And I didn't understand what was going on at the time. I'd, I'd hit that call. And it was just so entertaining just to hear the turkey respond to what I was doing. And then the turkey started to go away from me, but it was parallel with the road, and it moved down about 100 yards, and it went to gobbling again. Same, same thing. I would call, and he would respond. So I wandered down the road. I just thought a turkey would walk out on you. I didn't know you had to hide and be still and all that. I was I was walking like I was just going squirrel hunting or something. I got down on the, that end and I'd call and he'd, he'd gobble. And all of a sudden I heard him another hundred yards back where he was at at the original spot. I'd walk back down my dirt road there and I'd, I'd call and he'd respond and the next thing I know he would be back down at the other spot and initially I thought it was two turkeys but then I realized no this is the same one he's just going back and forth over about 100 150 yard distance and when he would get at one end he would gobble three or four times and then he would move and go back to the other end and do the same thing and this went on for at least an hour. And finally, I thought about that thing. I said, well, if I can catch him down on that end of the of it, I'll, I'll sneak in to the other end, and he'll just walk down here where I'm at. And that's what I did. And I didn't call anymore. 
I just let him come on back to that other area because he had been there 10 times before. And uh, I sat down beside the base of a, of a, I think it was like a sweet gum tree. He, I could see him coming straight to me. He walked out there, gobbled three or four times, and that's when I put the smack down on him. But that was the first turkey I'd ever killed and didn't even understand how to go about turkey hunting at all. I mean, if, if someone had been filming me doing that, it would have been the video of what not to do. And it could have been a bestseller because I know I did everything wrong that could possibly be done wrong. But I was still successful. But... I was hooked from there forward. There was no turning back. I guess one of the hardest hunts I've ever been on was a hunt with a friend of mine named Jeff. It was raining that day off and on and I can't hear it thunder we just happened to be wandering around the edge of a cow pasture looked out way across that cow pasture and there was a, a, a lot of turkeys and some gobblers there and it was just absolutely pouring rain and we were soaking wet and it didn't make any sense to go to the vehicle because we were already wet but at that particular time I, all I owned was box calls and that's what led me to learn to get more than one type of call because box calls don't work real well in the rain. And I couldn't call anything. I had nothing that uh, would make a sound. So we're sitting there getting soaking wet, watching you know good birds out there in the field, and we didn't have anything to call them with. So you know, the more we sat there, the wetter we got. But we watched turkeys for nearly an hour with us in the pouring rain and never got an opportunity to shoot because we learned a valuable lesson at that point, and that was to have multiple type calls, mouth calls or pot calls, slate calls, glass call, have something different than just a conventional wood box call because it didn't benefit us all at that day but uh, one of the cool parts about that was every time that it would thunder those turkeys would gobble and uh, we were in quite a quite a bad storm but you could hear them gobble every every time that the lightning would strike or or the thunder would report that those gobblers would sound off and like I say we didn't get one that day but it was quite a sight to see us soaking wet and watching them respond to the weather the way that they did. So we're turkey hunting one morning, Andrew and I, and I had roosted the bird the afternoon before decided that we would go and try to get this turkey and we set up on this turkey oh about a hundred 
yards away, maybe 75 to 100 yards away. I don't know the exact distance, but you could see the tree that the turkey was roosted in at a distance. So we're there before daylight. Well, let me back up a minute. We actually, uh, he got out of the truck and we were on our way there and he had forgot his head net. Well, they had just burned the property and I told him he couldn't hunt because, you know, you don't have a head net. Your face is going to shine, and we just can't have that. So you got to go back to the truck. Well, he was a disappointed youngin', and he didn't really want to go back to the truck, and I really didn't want him to go back there, sit it out. So I looked around, and they had been burning this property off, and there was a charcoal pieces left from some logs and stumps and stuff like that. So I thought real quick, and I grabbed a piece of that old stump, and I said, come here, let me do, put something on your face. And he came over there and I took that charcoal and I rubbed it all over his face. And, you know, put cam made his face camouflage just using charcoal from a, a stump. And so we went on to the setup and the, like I said, I'd roosted the turkey the evening before over in the on tree right along the edge of this clearing. And so we got set up before daylight and got to calling and after the daylight broke and all of a sudden this bird come flying down out of the roost and the bird come flying straight towards us and just just I mean exactly a beeline to us that you could fly and it actually when it come between Andrew and I it actually touched Andrew with his wings and landed behind us uh, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 feet behind us where it hit the ground. So now we're on the wrong side of the bird and we we couldn't turn or anything like that. So we had to wait until I could call the turkey to get him to come around back in front of us before Andrew could take the shot and kill the bird. But that was probably one of the more exciting trips we had, turkey hunting together. I decided to use a bicycle to get to a place to turkey hunt that was quite a ways from my house. So I put my shotgun on my shoulder using a strap. And I had my decoys in my little basket out in front. And I took off and in hot pursuit of locating the gobbler. Well, I found them and there was two of them. I set up by an old trash pile out overlooking the edge of a pasture area. The next thing I know, here they come. And I was going to shoot that one gobbler at about 20 steps. But just as I get ready to shoot that one gobbler, I had not been paying attention. And the second gobbler had gotten right in line with him, behind him. So when I shot, not only did I kill the gobbler that I wanted to kill, I killed the gobbler that was standing behind him with one shot. That's not bragging. That was a mistake. I did not want to do that. 
but now I had two birds. So then it, I had to get home. And what I had not planned on was the return trip if I was successful because I can go ahead and tell you a 10-speed narrow-tire bicycle, uh, a shotgun, two 20-plus pound gobblers, a couple of decoys, and all your turkey calls don't work real well on a 10-speed bicycle. And I wound up having to push that bicycle all the way back with the turkey strapped on it, with the gun strapped on it, and me just pushing it all the way back home for at least two miles. And when I got home, I can tell you, I was worn out. So it's almost spring gobbler season and I had to go pick my boys up from school one afternoon and I had just gotten a mouth call and I was trying to practice with that mouth call and I wanted to hear what it sounded like out in the opening. So I got the boys in the, in the vehicle and we decided to ride through the woods. There's some fields there that I always, that I can hunt on. And, we typically would see turkeys out there and I just wanted to see how they would respond to my mouth calling inabilities. So I got out of the vehicle and we had seen them down in the bottom there. And there was four jakes over there that you could see well off in the distance. And I told the boys, I said, y'all stay here in the vehicle. And I'm, I got out and I walked in front of the vehicle, uh, I don't know, probably 30 feet or so. And uh, I, I never will forget, I had on a, a, a white t-shirt and I had on a pair of uh, shorts and some flip-flops. And, and so I just stood there and actually I squatted down and I started to call. And the next thing I know, I see those turkeys respond and, and they're coming to me across a wide open field. And I mean, I don't have any camouflage on. I don't have any blind around me or any cover whatsoever and the vehicle is slightly over the crest of a hill the the boys could see me but they could not see the birds coming and so i just kept calling and, and i was yelping and just you know just not doing a whole lot with it just trying to learn how and see how that the birds would respond but these four jakes decided they wanted to come on over and party so they come running right up to me and they got within an arm's reach surrounding me and that's when the boys could see that i was surrounded with four jakes and and it middle of the day or middle of the afternoon excuse me and and no camouflage whatsoever middle of the afternoon out in the middle of an open field and then four jakes was just all around me I've never really experienced anything quite like that. So I go on this hunt with a coworker 
and I'm not going to reveal his name trying to protect his uh, identity but anyway we go to his location that he has that we can go and hunt and we set up and we got we got a double coming and both of the birds are gobbling their heads off and they're coming straight to us and hard as they could come and it's a good thing we were going to do the old one two three shoot you take the left and i'll take the right routine if you've ever hunted many turkeys you know exactly what i'm talking about well between us and the birds was a huge live oak tree and uh you know the thinking was that uh, once they come around that live oak tree we'd take a shot no matter which side they were on well so they come on towards us and and we're sitting there and it's getting almost time to pull the trigger and i'm counting and we're both lined up to shoot and just as soon as that turkey can step around that tree we're going to pull the trigger so i count and i you know one two bam my co-worker he shoots well he shot a little early because they that bird started running away well i couldn't get a shot because the oak tree was in my way so i was totally out of the picture i was over i was done but he gets up and he's trying to shoot the bird a second time that's been injured but his gun had jammed on him so he goes over there and starts running toward the bird and the bird is running away with a messed up wing and running crazy in circles and just you know just trying to get away from him being chased and all of a sudden i see my co-worker raise up his shotgun and above his head and he's running with the gun held between two hands up above his head chasing that bird and lord knows i wish i had my video camera then because that would have been a hilarious video to make but i didn't have it at the time and then the next thing i know i see him throw that shotgun at that bird and knock that bird down and he runs over and lands on the bird himself finally to catch the bird and i'm thinking what in the world has this guy has lost his mind what is he doing so anyway after all the excitement's over with uh, i'm questioning him i'm like what what is going on here what what did what did you just do throw a shotgun at a turkey he said well my gun jammed and i couldn't shoot shoot him anymore i couldn't get a shell up in my gun and uh i had to get him somehow so i didn't know what else to do so i throwed the shotgun at him and it hit him and like i said he got the turkey so i sat there a minute and i thought about that i said well you know you shot early on me and i I didn't have a shot at all. He wanted to know why I didn't shoot. I said, well, you shot too early. You shot on two, and I was waiting on three, and I didn't have a shot. So I didn't get my bird, but uh, I asked him, I said, I need to know something. I said, everybody talks about turkey chokes and caliber, you know, what size shotgun, 12 gauge, 20 gauge, or whatever. I said, I need to know what qualities you look for in a good throwing shotgun. And uh, he just, he didn't know what to say about that. He said, well, my shotgun failed me in battle, so he said I had to use something. But I understand why it fails in battle. If you're using it to throw with and throw it in the dirt, don't expect it to work very often.
My friend Danny and I teamed up one time, one Saturday morning to go turkey hunting. We got in the woods. We heard a gobbler. This is when we thought we knew how we killed turkeys. Out in front of us, this was a cutover. They had, they had already logged this and uh, had replanted it in the pine, pine rows. And the pine rows were uh, the pine trees were about two foot tall out there. So you thought you could see all the way across that, but uh, what we didn't realize was that there was a dip. And in that dip up ahead, it was a sandy bottom. And the gobbler was down in that dip that he would call, he would gobble. And we're looking out across this clearing and we couldn't even see it, but. And for a little bit, it was confusing because we we could hear him, but we could not see him. But we felt like we could see all the way across this opening. But what we didn't realize was, is he was down in a in a drop off, and uh, he was doing his thing down there. So we kind of snuck in there and we cut uh, cut the distance on him to set up. Danny would call and I would call or either one and the, the, the turkey, the gobbler, he was very responsive to what we were doing. He enjoyed it, but he wasn't coming out of that bottom. He'd come right up to the edge of it and then he'd drop off back down in it. We could just see the tips of his fan every once in a while. So we sat there and we made us a plan and the plan was that one of us was going to crawl on our belly forward while the other snuck out and went further away like we were leaving. And the one that left further away was going to turn the back to, to the other one and call and, like I said, act like we were just leaving and that the hen was going to go on somewhere else. And the gobbler was going to lose out. So... And the hope was that the gobbler would come up on that ridge, you know, that uh, come up out of that dip and you could get a shot at him. And so we decided on who would do what. So I crawled forward to make the shot while Danny crawled away to set up to call. And he started calling and it, to me it sounded, you know, okay, he's a lot further away than what, what we've been you know, and it was, and it, it, we executed that plan just perfectly because he didn't have to call but about three or four times, and that gobbler thought his girlfriend was leaving him, and he didn't want to get left behind, so he come up that ridge that time, and when he did, I was able to get a shot within about five yards, and that's when I shot him. And I took that turkey's head completely off using a 12-gauge shotgun, an old Mossberg 500A 12-gauge shotgun. And uh, it blew his head completely off. But uh, that's the great thing about doing a double team. You can do a lot of tricky, 
maneuvers and, and be successful. of the best laid plans not working out. I uh, had a turkey that we wanted to go call. and My friend Lee, his son Dustin, had never killed a turkey. So I had set up to, we were going to take him in there and try to get him on his very first turkey. So we get set up and it's in some pine rows, a real cleaned out underneath these pine trees and you know you got your brown pine straw looks like a carpet in there and it's really open so we set up and we go to the, the arrangement was that Dustin now this is a young boy was going to get out in front of us by some 20 yards and we were going to be you know straight back behind him we weren't even hunting we didn't even have a gun but we were going to call and try to get him set up to kill a turkey. So we started to call and had a gobbler respond to us immediately. And it was perfect setup. The, the turkey was down in front of him at least 150 yards. And we were behind him by about 20 yards and we were calling. The gobbler acted like he wanted to play. So we're thinking we're going to get this boy his very first turkey well it didn't take long before we found out that we were wrong um, this bird cut the distance in half in just a minute it didn't take no time and so we're all excited and we're looking at this boy and all of a sudden he goes to swinging his arms and fanning his face and swatting his head and we're like what is he doing up there you, you, we couldn't talk to him because he's so far away from us had we said anything we would have scared the turkey off but he was moving his arms like he was trying to land an airplane on a, on a carrier and it, just, it was just unbelievable what he was doing he needed to stop because the turkey was a, was charging in full speed ahead. And the next thing we know, or the last thing we heard was that turkey. He gobbled about 30 yards away from him. We could not see him. He was out in front. And with him doing that, swatting at those mosquitoes, that turkey couldn't stay there no more. He had to go. So we lost out on getting that bird. And it had to get him a, his first bird another day. It wouldn't be that day. So my son Andrew and a co-worker named Hal and I decided to go turkey hunting one morning and we're walking the railroad track and we think we hear some turkeys off in the distance but we're not real sure and I can hoot like an owl really well so we get there near a, a railroad track crossing 
that has the railroad arms and the bells that ring and the lights that flash. And so as a locator call, I always hoot like an owl. So we're all standing there and I decide to hoot like an owl. And sure enough, all of a sudden, those railroad arms and lights and bells come on. Well, we're thinking that a train's coming. So we step off the railroad track. Well, they went back up and nothing ever showed up. So Hal says, I think you caused that railroad track crossing arm to come down and the bells to sound and the lights to flash. And I'll say, there's no way. That's that's not sound activated. That's got to be triggered from the railroad, you know, the rail cars. And uh, he said, well, do it again. So I, I, I hooted like an owl a second time and those crossing arms come down again. So I don't understand completely what occurred there. All I know is I can tell you that we did it several times that I can hoot like an owl and make those railroad crossing arms go down and the lights flash and the bells ring. So apparently they must be sound activated and tuned to the frequency of a hoot owl. season dove hunt and it's the last Saturday of the dove hunt for the entire season here in Florida so we're there dove hunting and I'm against the fence edge and in front of me is the field that we're hunting and behind me downhill was a, a cow pasture and I saw some folks that were up in the field were hunting start pointing toward the cow pasture behind me and I thought they were pointing at me and everything and I didn't know what was going on so I started pointing back at them and they finally got me to turn around they gave me the turnaround motion with their hand you know and I turned around and there was a gobbler out there in that cow pasture while we were having that dove shoot up on the hill that gobbler was down in the cow pasture down in the bottom and for me that that turkey that gobbler was probably 150 yards away maybe 200 yards away from me and uh so i've thought about that a few minutes and i said you know what it's perfectly legal right now to kill a turkey let me go see if i can kill this turkey so i there's a little gap there in the fence what they call a walk-through gate. The, it's a permanent gate set up that you can just do a little zigzag and you're through the fence. And uh, so I went through that gate and I squatted down and I started doing a sneak attack on the turkey. And the turkey was kind of moving through that bottom. So I was going at an angle with the turkey to try to intersect and cut that turkey off. And I got to noticing that while I was in pursuit of that turkey, all the shooting stopped up in the dove field there. I didn't hear any more shotgun reports. I kind of turned there and looked back and everybody's watching what I'm doing. They're uphill and looking down on me down in that bottom. And the old gobbler's strutting out there and he's 
coming out of strut and going back in strut and every time he'd go in the strut I'd, and turn I'd move on him and I'd advance and the minute he would turn around I'd freeze and we played that cat and mouse game I don't know seemed like forever but I guess it couldn't have been more than five minutes and uh, I was able to sneak right up on that bird out in the middle of that cow pasture I'd move on him every time that he would turn around and then I got close enough to him that I was able to kill him uh, just using my dove shot from my shotgun, my 12-gauge shotgun, while I had an audience up on the dove chute up in the, on the hill there watching me do it. So when we got together and counted up the birds, I don't recall how many dove we had, but I know we had one gobbler. One year I was heavy into video recording and I'd gotten permission to go video turkeys on a property with a friend of mine before the hunting season started. So we went just like we were going to go hunting except we didn't take a shotgun. We just took the video cameras. He took his and I had mine. We were in full camouflage had all of our turkey calls and set up so we get there before daylight and the, the owner of the land had told us that hey if you go down to this location you're going to hear some turkeys and see some turkeys so we did and boy was he not kidding uh, I've never to this day I have never heard anything quite like this in my life when we got there and set up the video cameras uh, starting well before daylight for the camera we could see but the camera couldn't gather enough light to, to film but the the hens just started going absolutely nuts in the trees they were just i don't know 40 or 50 hens that were just doing tree calls and and finally when they did their fly down cackle it was unbelievable i never heard nothing like this in my life so many birds flying down at one time and cackling and and making all kind of noise. There was a tremendous amount of noise, uh, turkey vocalizations and everything. And gobblers were there doing the same thing. And, and they started gobbling. They let the hens fly down first, but then the gobblers started their thing. And and uh, it was just incredible vocalization. And I've got all that on a, on a VCR tape that uh, I want to have re, remade and turned into a DVD. But anyhow, the... We didn't get any video footage of the gobblers. We did get some of the hens as they you know, hit the ground and, and left. They, they actually left the area. They did not come to where we were at. I guess we weren't in the path that they wanted to take. But the vocalization is incredible. I've never heard any vocalization with turkeys like that anywhere. One of the funniest hunts that I've ever been on was when I called my co-workers right before I made a shot. But uh, what we used to do was, because we worked shift work, we could swap time with each other. So when turkey season's in place, one day 
one of us would get to go turkey hunting while the other one covered the job site and then uh, the next day we would reverse it so it was my turn to go leave work before daylight and we work in the midnight shift and so I had a place I wanted to go I knew there was some good turkeys there I hadn't been there but I knew they were there and uh, they're always at this location and so I go before you know I'm able to leave work well before daylight and go get set up and sure enough I'm sitting in the edge of a trash pile and I hear them on the roost and they're gobbling and the hens are cackling and everything's going like it's supposed to according to plan and so they fly down and I can see them out there in an open field and it's pretty neat to see and there's several hens there I don't I don't recall exactly how many but there's several of them and, and then there's a gobbler and so I'm calling and they're coming closer and closer and I don't know what possessed me to do what I did but I, I grabbed my telephone and I called work and I got a hold of my two buddies that I work with and I said, hey, what y'all doing? And they're like, we're working. What are you doing? You're supposed to be turkey hunting. And I told them, I said, well, I am turkey hunting. I said, listen at them. And I held the phone up, and they were gobbling. And uh, they thought, oh, man, that's so cool. You know, you're hearing turkeys. You, where are they at? Where are they at? I said, hold, hold, hold on a minute. Hold on just a minute. And, and next thing they knew, I, I shot one with the shotgun. Wow! And, and that just that just freaked them out they they thought that was just so cool to have me shoot a turkey with them listening on the telephone with them gobbling and everything but that was a good hunt well worth the time swap that i had to do well on this particular hunt I had been working midnight shift and uh, got the, the woods, I don't know, sometime around 9 a.m., 9.15, and was trying to locate a gobbler. I was alone, so I did everything I could do to try to make one gobble, and I never heard anything, and I, I walked and walked, never, never heard anything. So finally I got to a very pretty place and I said, well, let me just, you know, told myself, thinking to myself, uh, let me just sit down right here and call and just be still and maybe something will come my way. So as I sat there, I could feel myself getting really sleepy and I just decided, okay, you're, you're here and it's sunny and it's, it's really nice and let's just lay down a minute. So I, I put the shotgun out there to me beside me and, and I laid down and the next thing I know I'm asleep and, and apparently I'm sleeping pretty good and so I don't know how long I had been asleep quite a while and I, I think I, I thought I was dreaming because I heard a turkey goblin and I just okay I was dreaming about turkeys and I'd hear that one gobble, and so I'm asleep. And finally, it's gobbling so much that it wakes me up. But rather than move, I just laid still, and because I said, told myself that 
there's a turkey right here somewhere and I just laid still did not move and next thing I know uh, toward my feet down there you know in that direction uh, I heard one gobble and I could tell that he was really close but I couldn't see him I didn't want to move because I couldn't see him and so I laid there for another few minutes and I could hear him uh, spitting and drumming and I, then I could hear him uh, rustle the leaves you know and, and hear him walk every time he'd walk you know you could hear that and so I knew he was really close the next thing I know he walks over there uh, just kind of off from me 20-30 feet and he turns his tail feathers to me and his whole fans spread out real pretty and it's got his head hid from me I can't see his head so I know he can't see me and that's when I made my move on him. I set up real quick, grabbed a shotgun, and when he turned around, I shot him. And uh, so I actually, I think I snored that one right on in there using my snore call. But that's uh, another turkey hunt that uh, I was successful on. But that was a solo hunt. another trip we had that was really good we had had a hard morning and had not heard any birds at all and had walked and I don't know how many seemed like forever we had walked miles and miles but I know it wasn't that far and so finally we did hear one gobble one time and it was way off in the distance and I pointed in one direction and he pointed no dad just in this direction so I learned I had already learned that uh, I needed to go on his direction not mine because he could hear and I can't and I, I can't course direction at all but he, he you know he's a young fella and he could hear everything so he, he said go this way that the bird gobbled over there so we go that way and we try to sneak in because it's mid-morning it's it's uh I'm guessing it's close to 11 o'clock or so. So we go in there and, and, and through the woods, just barely, you just barely could see the turkey movement. And we, you know, at that distance, we didn't know what they were other than turkeys. And so what we did was there was nowhere to hide. All the trees that were in there were just tiny trees and they, you had nothing, no background or anything like that to, to hide against so I told Andrew I said that there was a log right there in front of us that was laying on the ground and we kind of laid our shotguns and we got on our stomachs and we laid our shotguns over the log little, little pine tree log there and uh, we I said let's just lay here on the ground and then and, uh, and if they come you know we'll we'll take a quick shot at them so we're there and I start calling and they start responding to the call and here they come and it's uh, it's hens it's not it's not gobblers it's hens I don't know where the gobbler was at at that moment but uh, we we were focused on these hens now because that's all we saw and that's what was coming pretty fast and they came in there to us and I, 
I'm kind of laying on my side looking at Andrew laying on his stomach and we're facing from where they came from and one of the hens works its way over there to where we were at and starts to scratch all around us you know moving leaves and looking looking for bugs and what have you uh, you know some acorns perhaps and uh, got over there next to Andrew and the next thing I know the the turkey is is scratching underneath Andrew uh, right along like he's a log laying on the ground the turkey is trying to scratch out from underneath him and uh, so we're we're caught up in the moment of that and just you know amazed that we were had a turkey get that close to us and then all of a sudden we hear a, a, a turkey gobble and it's to my right and it's there not very far at all from us so I, I've got to grab my shotgun and roll and turn and shoot and when I did that uh, I shot with the turkey standing on the ground but I made a poor shot because of where I was out of position so the turkey starts to fly up and I'm able to take a second shot with it flying up at about 10 feet off the ground 15 feet off the ground and I hit the turkey a second time and knock it down out of the air as it flies away or as it was attempting to fly away so we got that turkey that gobbler or I did and but the coolest part about that hunt was not the fact that we got the gobbler the coolest part was the fact that the hen was right there on top of Andrew scratching all around him just like he was a log laying on the forest floor and uh, had he had never been that close to a turkey at all and uh, he just laid there and, and was, was just giddy just absolutely giddy about it and we talked about that for days and days Last year, we finally get together, Andrew and I, to go hunting. We don't get to get to do it as often as we used to anymore now that he's grown and moved out. But we finally got together one day last year during the spring gobbler season, and we went to a place that I suspected that we'd hear some gobblers, and we'd been successful there in the past. So we sat down on a ground blind. Uh, not a not a tent but just a, a net that was out in front of us and we sat on the ground and we started calling and we could hear some gobblers off in the distance and then finally we found out what that old gobbler wanted to hear and he started answering us pretty good but the next thing you know we hear something coming and it's coming to us from our right side rear from behind us and uh so we're kind of overlooking a little small opening there, a little, uh, I don't know, quarter acre maybe uh, opening like a little field. And all of a sudden, what we hear is a pig. And the pig is running around. And this pig, I swear to you, this pig is no larger than a football. It, it's a little short black pig. And we've got it on a video clip. And 
it's running around there uh, as fast as it can run. I guess it was looking for the rest of the group, or I, I don't know what it was doing, but it ran around there for about three or four minutes, and we had a decoy out there, and it ran out there to that little hen decoy, and it thought that hen decoy was its mama or something, a very confused little pig. And then finally the pig went on about its business and left, but that was hilarious to see that little tiny pig so small just running around in the wild by itself but uh, it was just shortly thereafter that the gobbler was coming on closer and so we kept kept calling it and working the bird and finally uh, Andrew was able to take a shot on that bird and uh, got him so we we got us a bird and got to see a little pig show going on at the same time and so then we get up and we go to leave and uh, you know that made it uh, a real successful hunt but uh, that was our effort last year he he was able to get a really nice bird uh, and we got to see a pig that was hilarious to see I guess the all-time best turkey story I have is the time that Andrew and I, the creation of Robo Jake, we were here at home and we were uh, target practicing with our bow and arrows and they had just got a remote control truck. Uh, I think it was a grave digger type model truck and a you know, remote control. And we were shooting the, the targets with the bow and arrows and everything well we messed up one of the arrows and so that arrow was an aluminum arrow that tells you how old things were and so I got that arrow and, and, and took the tip out of it and everything and was looking at that remote control car and I decided what if I could put a decoy on that vehicle and use that vehicle next time we went turkey hunting so I did. And I took a Jake and I fixed the arrow on the on the remote control truck with the decoy, the Jake decoy on the arrow. So then anytime you would run the truck, it would move around and it looked like a turkey moving. So we set up one morning out there and uh, had three gobblers across the swamp that had been cut over and they were on one side and we were on the shoreline of the other side. And we had our backs against the trash pile. And it was like a beachfront out in front of us there between us and the swamp. So we're calling and they're answering and we're calling and they're answering, but they're not coming. And so finally I, I told Andrew, I run that decoy out there and Robo Jake and let's see what what happened. And, we put that decoy out and drove it over there to where they could see it along that open area against that swamp. And the next thing you know, here they come. They fly all the way across the swamp. We see them coming, flying to us. And they landed out there by the decoy. And 
there was three Jake. There was three uh, gobblers that come up on the Jake decoy, and so all we would have to do is just bump the control just slightly, just to make it flop and move around a little, you know, twist or turn. And those gobblers were just—they were all fanned out and strutted out and running up against it, trying to hit it, and you know they didn't like it at all that that little Jake was trying to take over their shoreline of that edge of that swamp. So I tell Andrew, I'm I'm filming that, and I tell Andrew, I said, take the shot, get you one of them. So he he took the shot. Well, I fully anticipated that all of those gobblers would fly off, and uh, but they didn't. So I killed me one. And on the video, you can hear me saying, don't shoot another one because, you know, we were only allowed one each uh, per day. And so we, we're just still sitting there with two dead birds and a live gobbler and the robo-jake. So we started to play with the remote control robo-jake, trying to make that gobbler fly away. But we couldn't do it. The more we played with that robo-jake, the more the gobbler wanted to fight it. And we got some really good video of the two, you know, uh, exchanging, uh, you know, interaction there with that robo-jake. So finally, we were about to run out of battery on the uh, camera, and I told Andrew to get up and run that bird off so we can leave here. But that was that was really something to see. But that was a long time ago that we did that. I, I can't, I don't even remember the year that we did that. But that was pretty cool to use that remote control uh, car with a decoy on top of it. Like when I wore younger man's clothes, I had gotten pretty good at killing turkeys. I felt like I could kill any turkey that would gobble more than three times because I would cut the distance on him. And if he didn't see me, he was going to have to die. And such was the case once when I heard a turkey in a swamp. I don't know how many people's ever hunted in a swamp. I'm talking about a swamp that had water, and water that was at least three to four foot deep. And I could not figure out for the life of me what a turkey was doing in the swamp with water that deep. And this turkey was on the ground. I didn't understand how in the world he could be on the ground in this swamp, but he was. So I decided that I'm already wet. I'm coming on in. And I did. I started wading this swamp. And when I got there, what I saw was the strangest thing that I have witnessed. There was a fallen cypress tree that was laying across the water. And it was about 30 feet long that was out of the water. 
and a gobbler was on top of that cypress tree, walking up and down it. And he had walked up and down that cypress tree so many times. Maybe before that day, I don't know, I'm sure it was. But he was out in the middle of the water on a cypress tree that was out of the water, walking up and down it, gobbling like he was in a parade. But uh, I had no way to get close to him. And the second that I tried, I was busted and he flew away. So I went over there to where that tree was at and that's when I found out that he had been there a lot. There was no bark left on the tree. That was his runway. That was his strut zone out in the middle of that swamp. So I devised a plan. And the plan was that before daylight the next morning, I was gonna be within shotgun range of that tree. And so I did. And when I set up and daylight broke, I had no idea where that bird was at. I didn't even know if he was still there. And I'd made my mind up that I was not going to call. And do you know how hard that is when you have a vest full of calls and you tell yourself, I will not call. But I did not. And about an hour of standing in the water, watching that runway atop that cypress tree, this gobbler falls out of the tree above it and lands right on top of that cypress log and immediately goes into a full strut and gobbles. I had been looking in the tops of them trees for a solid hour and had not seen him. Apparently he was hid by moss and he had not said a word until he hit that cypress tree laying in the pond. And that's when I killed him.